Hi, everybody. And here we are for our next Wednesday night talking about the last days. It's been a great series. I've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. And I think in, in times like this, people are wondering all over the world, are we in the last days? You know, we've got COVID-19, uh, you know, galloping around the globe. Uh, so much violence and unrest in our streets, literally cities being burned down. So people look up and they go, you know, are we in the last days? Well, actually, we are in the last days. And I shared with it now uh, or with you about this for the last few weeks. And um, so we're going to tonight again look at a verse uh, that mentions the last days and tells us some things about the last days. What I've been doing is taking different places in the New Testament where the phrase last days, latter days, last hour, latter times, uh, just that phrase where it's found, the context it's found in, and what does that particular uh, passage or passages say about the last days. So this time we're going to talk about the apostasy, and I'm going to explain that in a moment, but I mean the, the walking away from God. Now let's look at what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I hope you have your Bibles. Grab them if you don't. Grab that Bible and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And let's do a Bible study tonight. You know, I love Bible study. And let's just look at what the Word of God has to say. If you're wondering what version I'm using, I primarily use the New King James because I think that's one of the most accurate translations we have. But there's a lot of good ones. And so if I don't totally track with you, if you've got another translation, it should say pretty much close to the same thing. So here we go. First Timothy four, verse one. But the spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now there's the phrase latter times. He says some are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of men that speak lies, their conscience having been seared, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods, which God created for partaking with thanksgiving by Christians that know the truth. Because every creature of God is good, nothing to be put away when received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified through the word of God in prayer. Now that's the first five verses of 1 Timothy 4. Now you will note that Paul write, writes about the last days in 1 Timothy, and he writes about them in 2 Timothy chapter 3 as well, which we looked at last time. But now we see that Paul refers to the latter times. Instead of saying last days, uh, it's latter times, but it's the same thing. Let's remember that the latter times, what does it mean when we see the phrase, the last days or the latter times in the Bible? Well, the latter times began with the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ back to heaven. So the latter times didn't begin with the 20th century or the 21st century or with the rebirth of Israel as a nation in 1948. No, the last days began all the way back at the birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension back to heaven of Jesus Christ our Lord. So the latter times just put simply, is that period of time between the ascension of Christ back to heaven and his return to earth at the second coming. Between his ascension back to heaven and his return back to earth someday, all that time, 
is the last times. Now, Paul tells us that the Spirit of God clearly communicated to him about what is coming in these last days. He said, the Spirit speaks expressly. Now, that means explicitly, clearly. In no uncertain terms, Paul is saying, this is what's coming in the last days. The Spirit has just undeniably shown me some things. So the first thing the Spirit showed him is that there would be a departure from the faith on the part of professing Christians. Now, uh, we call this apostasy. Now, what is apostasy? Well, apostasy means a departure, a walking away, a denunciation of what you have formerly professed to believe. So somebody who apostatizes or becomes an apostate is somebody who used to profess Christianity. They knew the teachings of Christ. They, they knew about Jesus. They professed to be his and they may have even, listen, um, they may have been a Sunday school teacher. They may have been very involved in a local church. They may have gone to church every Sunday. Um, they may have done all these things. They may have done some good works, uh, some religious things. But Paul said in the last days, there's going to be an apostasy from the genuine faith that is in Jesus Christ. And many who you and I thought were believers, many who said they were believers, are going to, for whatever reason, we're going to see really what reason, uh, the doctrines of demons and false teaching, they're going to accept falsehoods, they're going to come under deception, and they're going to renounce the faith that is in Jesus Christ. Now, this is not the same thing as backsliding, and I want to distinguish between the two. Backsliding is not apostasy, and apostasy is not backsliding. Backsliding is when a believer falls into some kind of sin and needs to be restored. Uh, it's a failure in their testimony and in their personal walk with Christ resulting in living in a way that is dishonoring to the Lord. They get out there, they get caught up in some kind of a sin. Um, you know, they, they start living in ways that do not reflect uh, scriptural teaching. They walk away from the Lord in some ways and, and they get into the world. Now that's backsliding. But the Bible is clear that for the backslider, there is a road open to restoration by true repentance and confession. For instance, God says in Hosea chapter 14, verse four, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. Isn't God a good God? I'm so thankful for the mercy of God that he forgives us our sins, even when we backslide. And I'm certainly not encouraging you to say, well, I'll go backslide because God's going to forgive me. Because sometimes when you backslide, it's very, very hard to come back. Um, somebody once said, and I've always liked this, you never know how far you fell until you start the climb back up. And so backsliding is never a good idea. But the good news is God can restore you and God will forgive you if you repent. Paul wrote in Galatians 6 verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Now that's backsliding. Somebody that's overtaken, they are overtaken in some sin and they backslide. God says to the believers in the church, try to restore them, reach out to them, try to bring them back to me. And uh, so that's good news. 
But on the other hand, apostasy, the apostasy that Paul predicts will really be everywhere in the last days is far more serious. The apostate is a person who rejects and abandons his profession of faith in Christ. That's very different from the backslider. The apostate says, I want nothing to do with Jesus. I'm done with Christianity. I renounce it. Uh, apostates are people who are familiar with the teachings of Christ. They may have even practiced many of Christ's ethical and moral teachings. They may have grown up in church, as I've already said, and been very involved in church functions, even to the point of, uh, as we mentioned, teaching a Sunday school class or serving in some leadership capacity, but they were never born again. Now, I want you to catch that. The apostate, I believe the Bible is clear, was never born again. Paul the Apostle describes them this way, having a form of godliness, but they deny the power of godliness. They deny the power of the Holy Spirit. They've not known the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they may, they may look godly, having a form of godliness. They've got on the costume of Christianity. They're wearing the mask of a Christian, but it's a disguise because in their heart, they've never been born again. They may have had religion, but they didn't have relationship with Christ. Paul goes on to say, have nothing to do with such people. Now, what he's telling you there is don't hang with them. Don't run with them. People who say they're Christian, but they're living a totally non-Christian life or they apostatize away from Christ and walk away from the church and walk away from their confession and really go into the world. Paul said, that's where you need to draw the line. Don't run with them. Don't hang with them. Pray for them. You know, you might want to witness to them, but don't go with them. Don't, don't let them be your BFFs, your best friends. They appear to be Christian. They look really religious, but they've never repented and turned to Christ. Now that's the person who will apostatize in the last days. You know, when Jesus was discussing the time of his return, which he did a lot, he noted that in that day when he returns, quote, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly. Now watch what he says, church. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now that's the apostates. I never knew you. They never knew him. They have a form of godliness. But when deception comes, when another God is presented to them, when the going gets rough, when they begin to get persecuted for the name of Christ, um, any one of a number of things can come along. Uh, evil men and seducers come their way. They teach them false doctrines, doctrines of demons. Paul told us in First Timothy 4 that we just read. Then they easily apostatize. They walk away. So before Jesus comes again, he tells us there's going to be people running around speaking in my name, uh, feigning miracles in my name, acting like true Christians. But the truth is they will never have personally known him. Now, I just want to stop here and ask you, do you really know him? Because it's not that you got religion. It's not that you turned over a new leaf. 
It's not that you've gone through rehab or, or made something better of your life. No, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again or you will never go into the kingdom of heaven. You'll never walk through the gates. You will never enjoy the glory that is called heaven if you don't personally know the Lord. The good news is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will right then and there be saved. So have you repented? Have you asked the Lord to forgive you for your many sins against him like I did when I was 16 and sitting in juvenile home? Nobody had to tell me that I was a sinner uh, or that I've broken God's laws and I repented. But you know, if you've never been to jail, if you've never gotten a traffic ticket, you're still in sin. And if you ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you and come into your heart, he'll do it. And you will be introduced to him and the Holy Spirit will be poured out on your heart and you will experience the love of God. So if you haven't, do it, do it tonight. Do it quickly, do it soon. Because soon and very soon, Jesus is coming again. And we never wanna hear him say to us, depart from me, I never knew you, amen. So in summary, how does apostasy happen? Well, when you haven't truly been born again, there's no real attachment to Christ. There's not. You may be attached to, you know, church, church functions, church people. You may be attached to just that being your way of life. You may like some of the things that Jesus said and taught. Um, you may like religion, but if you don't really know him, there's no real heart attachment. So when false teachers come along, like Paul describes in 1 Timothy 4, uh, teaching doctrines of demons, things literally taught by demons, uh, an apostate easily walks away from the Christian faith to pursue a false god because he's got no real attachment, no love relationship with Jesus Christ. So he walks. He renounces the faith and he goes off into something that is totally false and never returns. That's the apostate. There's no inner conviction from the Holy Spirit when they walk away because the Holy Spirit isn't in them. Paul said, if any man has not the Spirit of God, he does not belong to God. So you either have the Spirit of God living in you because you repented and turned to Christ, or you don't have the Spirit of God living in you because you haven't repented and turned to Christ. And those are the only kinds, two kinds of people there are in the world. Those that have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them and those that don't. Now moved by the Holy Spirit, Paul predicted that this kind of apostasy would characterize the last days. In 2 Thessalonians chapter two, if you want to turn there with me, 2 Thessalonians chapter two, the first five verses. These are, these are some of the most sobering verses about the last days I know anything about. Paul warns of the very same thing. He says this, starting at verse one of 2 Thessalonians chapter two. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if we had written to you as though the day of Christ had come. If somebody tries to tell you the day of Christ has already come, don't believe them. He says in verse three, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless, now watch this phrase, the falling away comes first. He doesn't just say a falling away, but he's talking about a particular falling away, the falling away. 
He's talking about what we just discussed, the falling away that will characterize the last days. He said, that day, the day of Christ, the return of Jesus won't come until this, this falling away, this apostatizing comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, talking about the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and all that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God or declaring that he is God. Now, this is talking about the great tribulation period. When Antichrist comes into power, he will walk into a rebuilt temple. He will go into the Holy of Holies and he will sit down and he will say, I am God. It's called the abomination that makes desolate or the abomination of desolation. Well, leading up to that point, there is a great apostatizing that is happening throughout the world. People are walking away from the faith uh, who never really knew Jesus. They're renouncing Christianity. Christianity becomes not popular, not popular at all. Uh, they turn to New Age stuff. They turn to other religions, Islam, Buddhism, whatever, Mormonism, the cults. They walk away from the genuine faith that is in Jesus Christ. And Paul is telling us here uh, that the Antichrist is not going to appear and Christ is not going to return in his second coming until this falling away, this apostatizing has happened first. Now, the phrase falling away in these verses is from the same Greek word, apostasia. And of course, it's apostasy. So again, Paul, by the spirit, is predicting a last day's apostasy, a walking away from the teachings and the gospel of Jesus Christ on a large scale. And you know what? Not just Paul, but Jesus predicted the very same thing. When he was asked by his disciples this question, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Jesus' first response was, watch out for deception and the consequential apostasy. Matthew 24, verse 3. He warned of religious deception, not once, not twice, not thrice, but four times in one chapter and specified what it would involve. Jesus said, take heed that no man deceives you for many are going to come in my name saying, I am Christ. Now, when are they going to come in his name? Remember, he's answering the question, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And he said, take heed, many are going to come in my name. So we can know that just before Christ returns, many are going to come in his name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Notice, many will be deceived by their false teaching. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So Jesus three times has said many, many, many. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. The difference is simply, there's one person who says, literally, I'm Jesus, I am Christ. And there's people like that in our world right now, and you would be amazed at the size of their following. It's amazing to me. So a false Christ is somebody who says, I'm the Christ. But then there's false prophets who prophesy false things about God's word, about Jesus Christ, about the end times, about what God is doing. They, they bring false prophecies. And my personal conviction is that the church of Jesus Christ is loaded down with false prophets right now as I speak.
And Jesus said, they will show great signs and wonders. So they'll be supernatural. They will have a supernatural touch on them, but it won't be from God. It'll be from the devil. In so much that if it were possible, they will deceive the very elect. So Jesus is talking about a time of industrial strength, deception. When false Christ, false prophets, performing false signs, bringing false words, will infiltrate the church and will cover the globe. Jesus said, be careful of it. Four times in chapter 24 of Matthew, he said, watch out for it. Now, I would contend that we're seeing the Bible's predictions of last day's apostasy and what we just read about, false Christ and false prophets, happening right before our eyes everywhere. Let me give you a couple of four instances. One well-known minister on a national talk show said to the startled host who was interviewing him, quote, it's not necessary to be born again. Yeah, I'm, I'm quoting him directly. It's not necessary, he said, to be born again with millions of people watching. He said, you have your way to God. I have mine. I found eternal peace in a Shinto shrine. Now that's Hinduism. That's, that's Far East Hinduism. I've been to Shinto shrines and God is everywhere. Well, the host, who wasn't even a Christian, was so shocked that he actually came to the defense of Christianity. This host did. And he said to this man, but you're a Christian minister and you're supposed to tell me that Christ is the way and the truth and the life, aren't you? To which the so-called minister replied, Christ is one of the ways, but God is everywhere. Now, folks, that's apostasy. That so-called minister has apostatized from the faith once delivered to the saints. He's an apostate. And here's an apostate on national TV with millions of people watching, literally spouting the words. You don't have to be born again. It doesn't matter which way you go to God. Uh, you have your way, I have mine. Now that that's the devil. That's doctrines of demons. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody gets to the Father but through me. But here, there is an example. Now, let me give you another one. Another popular national TV talk show, yet another very famous American pastor, when asked the question, if a person had to believe in Christ, uh, or does a person have to believe in Christ to be saved? Does a person have to believe in Christ to be saved? The host literally looked at him and said, do I have to believe like you to be saved? And this minister replied, I don't know. I'm real careful to say who or uh, who or what will uh, who or who won't be saved. Rather, I'm real careful to say who or who won't be saved. He then went on to say that people in pagan religions also love God. He literally said this. I watched it. I saw it. Jesus said, "No one gets to the Father but through me." And here is a pastor of one of the largest churches in the world saying, you know, I don't know. Who am I to judge who goes to heaven? I really can't say. I, I can't see their hearts like God does. But anybody who knows the word of God should instantly have said, well, Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father, but through me. You cannot get to the Father, but through Christ. That's what he should have said, but he didn't. Rather, I don't know. 
That's apostasy. And sadly, things like this can be found taking place more and more as worldwide apostasy unfolds in these last days. Paul said, in the last days, men will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines, teachings taught by devils, seducing spirits. That's talking about demon spirits, doctrines that are actually inspired by devils. Uh, The devil, folks, is a teacher. He teaches false doctrine. He knows the word well enough to twist it. Now, another, another popular trend today, talking about the last days and apostatizing, another very popular trend in churches more and more is interfaith worship services. Now, I'm not talking about interdenominational. That would be great. We're, we're an interdenominational church. But the word is interfaith, where the emphasis is on all faiths coming together as if one was as good as another. Okay? Some Christian leaders are literally inviting Muslims, Jews, Hindus, American Indian practitioners of native religion, and others to join in worshiping what they say is the one true God, regardless of the name you may give to him or her. So for the sake of everybody just getting along and unity, and that's the way they frame it, uh, we want to be unified. We don't want to be divisive. Uh, we don't want to say Christ is the only way. That's divisive. We want to say that we can all get together and you worship God in your way and I'll worship him in mine because guess what? He's the same God and it doesn't really matter how you get to him. We've even heard the term Chrislam from people who are trying to merge Christianity with Islam. But you can't. There's no way. So here's Christian leaders trying to get together all these faiths for interfaith meetings. Now, I love everybody, but I assure you, uh, whoever is worshiping God by way of Islam, their God is not the God of the Bible. No, Hindu, the Hindu God is not the God of my Bible. No, no. Jesus said those that worship God must come to him in spirit and in truth. And the truth is through Jesus Christ. And the spirit is by way of the Holy Spirit. We worship the true and living God through the name of Jesus, anointed by and moved by the Holy Spirit. Jude writes of this kind of interfaith thing. Jude in his one chapter epistle says this, when these men, and this is verse 12, when these men join you at the love feast of the church, they are evil smears among you. I didn't say this, Jude did. Laughing and carrying on, they are like clouds blowing over dry land without giving rain, promising much, but producing nothing. They are like fruit trees without any fruit at picking time. They are not only dead, but doubly dead, for they have been pulled out, roots and all, to be burned. Jude is saying, uh, somebody professing any other faith than that which is in Jesus Christ is like rain clouds that don't give any rain. It's, it's emptiness. It's a vacuum. It's false. It's fake. It brings a promise of something that it can't deliver. Uh, you know, a dark cloud hanging in the sky that you hope sends rain on your harvest, but it sends nothing. That's what a false teacher is like. When you listen to a false teacher, they promise rain, spiritual rain, peace, rightness with God. But in the end, they don't deliver anything. And your 
hungry, thirsty, parched soul is never touched by the water of God's spirit through their teaching. We must come through the person of Christ. Paul instructed the Corinthian church, don't be teamed up with those who don't love the Lord. For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness? The answer is it can't. The answer is you can't be teamed up with those who don't know your Lord. You can testify to them, but you can't worship God the way they do. They can't worship the way you do. He then quoted Isaiah the prophet, that is Jude did, or rather Paul, I'm sorry, it was Paul in 2 Corinthians. He quotes Isaiah. This is why the Lord has said, leave them, separate yourselves from them. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. But the modern day apostates of the church are more concerned with gaining the world's favor than God's blessing. Now, if you were to ask me, Jeff, do you think that we're in the last days or better put, do you believe we're in the last of the last days? Well, I can tell you, I, I read a lot of history. I, I don't know everything. That's for sure. As a matter of fact, the more I learn, the more I know, I don't know, but I've read a lot of history. I've read a lot of church history and a lot of world history. And I don't think there's ever been a time of as much deception, as as much uh, manifold variety of deception, false Christ, false teachers with all kinds of false messages coming from every direction. And what makes it even worse is social media gives us access to these things in a way that we never had before. So these false messages are finding their way into homes and offices and onto iPhones and iPads and laptops all over the world. I believe that we're looking at the kind of apostasy, the kind of walking away from God that Paul predicted for the last of the last days. Now, in closing, we note in our original text, what we first read from 1 Timothy 4, that Paul describes some of the things the apostate teachers will teach. So in closing, let me let me look at them real quickly. They will be giving heed, Paul said, to deceiving spirits and teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of men that are speaking lies, their conscience having been seared. So these false teachers teaching these false doctrines under demonic inspiration, their conscience is dead. They have been, it's been seared, uh, deadened by constantly transgressing the warnings of their own conscience. Now their conscience is dead. And under demonic inspiration, Paul says they will forbid people to marry and command Christians to abstain from foods which God created for partaking with thanksgiving by Christians that know the truth. Now, the Holy Spirit's prediction through the Apostle Paul came to pass not long at all afterward, when a group of heretics, now here comes some big, big words, but don't let them bother you. Some heretics called the Encratites, the Marcionites, and afterward, the Manichaeans, who began to teach that marriage was the invention of an evil God, and they forbade marriage. And this was not long after Paul brought this word. They also frowned on eating meat. Then later, as the Catholic Church formed, the doctrine of celibacy for the priests was mandated by the Pope. They were straight up, that is the priests, they were straight up forbidden to marry, just like Paul predicted. So the takeaway for us in our day 
is that false teachers, folks, listen carefully to me. In our day, false teachers, inspired by demons, will always teach things that directly contradict the word of God. Forbidding to marry is a direct contradiction to the word of God who made marriage. Forbidding to eat meat is a direct contradiction to the word of God that says everything is good. If you pray over it, it's sanctified. So false teachers always teach against the grain of the word of God. The apostle Peter put it bluntly, and and this really is blunt. This is out of the living Bible. You'll, You'll like this. Peter says there are people who are deliberately stupid and always demand some unusual interpretation of scripture. They have twisted it around to mean something quite different from what God intended. And the result is disaster for them. Dear church, this is what's happening in so many places today. People are twisting the word of God, false teaching, twisted scripture, things passing for the moving of the Holy Spirit that can't be found anywhere in the word of God. We live in a time that we've got to know our Bibles more than we know any other book in the world. You need to know your Bible backwards and forwards, upside down, right side up. Know the books, know what they're talking about. Read that Bible. Know it better than you know any other volume in the world. So in closing, what does God's word say to those who truly love Jesus? Cherish his shed blood, cleave to his word, and anxiously await his return. Let me, let me give you this verse in closing. Jesus said in Matthew 12, be ready. Be fully dressed and have your light shining. Be like servants who are waiting for their master to come home from a wedding party. The master comes and knocks and the servants immediately open the door for him. When their master sees they are ready and waiting for him, it will be a great day for those servants. Well, soon and very soon, Jesus is coming back. And I encourage you, think about those passages. And while all around us, people are walking away from the faith, let's you and I draw ever closer to Jesus, get ever tighter with him, uh, read his Bible more than we ever have before, because soon we're about to hear the trumpet blow and Jesus Christ is coming. I've so enjoyed being with you again. And God bless until we see one another either this Sunday at 9 or 11. I hope you come to church in person or we'll see you next Wednesday um, with uh, more on the last days. God bless you. We love you.